0: You're listening to the Faith Roots audio podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots podcast. So glad for you to join us. Uh, We're going to get further into our study here talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. I want to turn you today to Colossians chapter 2. Before we get into our study, I'm going to reveal a very, very important principle. This is one of those building blocks of your faith, and it's so important that you learn it. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Now here's the idea. The law of Moses, everything that was written in the New Testament, according to Paul's word here in Colossians 2, Those things were shadows of what is to come. Now I want you to think about this. If someone was walking to you down the street and behind them there was a car with really bright headlights, the person who is coming toward you is going to cast a shadow that will eventually fall over you. The shadow that they cast will be bigger, of longer extension than them, and it's going to arrive before they do. Now, since God is the source of the New Testament and God is light, He is called the Father of lights, the thing that He gave first, the law, the teaching of the Old Testament, those things cast a shadow. All of the shadows are pictures of Christ. The law was given to give us a picture of Him. So everything that we're given in the New Testament has a shadow in the Old Testament. Anything that comes to us from a source of light casts a shadow. That's the idea. Here's an example. Christ is the fulfillment of the Passover. He died the very time that Passover lambs were to be killed in Jerusalem. He was born at Bethlehem, and the shepherds who kept the flock were shepherds that kept the Passover lambs because all the other sheep were removed from the environs of Jerusalem because of the smell. The rabbis had ordered only one group of sheep could be kept anywhere near Jerusalem, and they would be the Passover lambs at Bethlehem. For that reason, Jesus or the Lord sent the angel to go talk to the passover lamb or the shepherds of the passover lambs so that they would be the first witnesses of the birth of Christ they saw the birth of all the other passover lambs why shouldn't they see the birth of the real passover lamb so they were there the night that Jesus was born Jesus uh, didn't have any of his bones broken. That was a very careful thing that had to happen. Uh, Normally, crucifixion victims had their legs broken, but not so with Jesus. He died before they could get to him to break his legs. There was no need to break his legs. So he fulfilled everything about the Passover. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. So if Jesus said in John 7, 37, 38 that there are rivers of living water for us, then there has to be a symbol of those rivers of living water somewhere in the Old Testament. Because everything that he gives to us in the New Testament has some type of symbolism in the Old Testament. And I want to read it to you. Here it is, Genesis chapter 2. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads that's Genesis 2:10 The name of the first is Pishon it is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah where there is gold and the gold of that land is good bdellium and the onyx stone are there The name of the second river is Gihon it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush The name of the third river is Hidakal. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So there were four distinct rivers in the Garden of Eden that sprung out of one single source. Now that's changed since that, but that's pre-flood. And so what we see is these four rivers are symbols of the coming Holy Spirit. Acts 1, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, 1, Judea, 2, Samaria, 3, uttermost parts of the earth, 4. So you see a river for every place that we're called to go take the gospel. Now, the first river is the river Pishon, and it means, literally in Hebrew, to grow up, to grow up fat. It could also mean to build up. So the Holy Spirit works in us to stream a river that causes us to grow, to grow fat, and to build up. That would be the river of edification. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit is given to do for us is to edify us. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies, builds up himself. That's what the word means. Somebody said that it means to charge up, as in the recharging of a battery. And so your battery has to be recharged. And uh, just because you had spiritual strength at one time doesn't mean you've got it today. You have to be refreshed in that we are continually recharged. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, spoke about this in Jude 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. He didn't say that faith comes by praying. He said that we return to our faith or we get back up on it or we stand up again, we are strengthened in it, By praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost helps to remind us of things that Jesus has said. Therefore, we have faith because of the quickening that He gives us from the Word. When we pray and we begin to hear in our hearts scriptures, those things build faith. But you're not hearing scriptures you've never heard. He's reminding you of something you've heard before. And those are things that build your faith. That is Being edified, being built up, that is growing fat. Listen to Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. Here's what the prophet had to say. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Now here Isaiah makes it very clear that rest and refreshing came when we would speak with a new tongue. And he prophesied that, that the refreshing would come through the speaking of tongues. He also said they would not hear, meaning that there would be a number of people who would reject it. So there are lots of people, even a lot of people who believe in Jesus don't believe in speaking with tongues. They completely reject it. And What they're doing is actually fulfilling the prophets, because the prophet Isaiah said that this would be a controversial thing. Doesn't mean, though, it's done away with. We have these ideas sometimes that in order for something to be true, everybody has to believe it. God doesn't Uh, let that deter him. There are loads of things that are true that very few people believe. In fact, there's a scripture that says, let God be true and every man a liar, meaning that God doesn't have to have the majority on his side in order for this uh, to be true, that he speaks and what his truth says is true regardless of what the masses believe. So what I want you to understand from all of these passages is that the purpose of speaking in tongues is very clear, very real. There is a refreshing that is associated with it. And what the Holy Spirit does is that he enables us to speak perfectly in the will of God. There is no unselfish prayer when we are praying with the Holy Spirit. Not unless you're praying in a public place where you're confusing other people. There's nothing unselfish about it. When you are in your private devotions and you are praying in another language, in another tongue, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is charging you up, it is refreshing you, and you are speaking perfectly in accordance to the will of God because the Holy Spirit is guiding what you're saying. Now think about how important this might be, because we have limiting things in us, very limiting things in our minds. You know, in 1976, I was in prayer out in Plainview, Texas, about my future. I was 24 years old, I knew there was a change coming in my ministry, So the only way that I knew to deal with this was to get on my knees and pray. I prayed in the Holy Spirit for a couple of hours. And as I was praying, I heard these words in my spirit. You are going to pastor a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Heard that clear as a bell. Now, I had been to Tulsa a few times and I knew some people in Tulsa, but that's about the extent of my contact here. But I knew that I heard the Holy Spirit say that. So uh, also I heard a man's name. I called that man, asked him if he knew of any churches that might be available here. He said he would get back to me. Six, eight weeks later, he called me back and said, Willie, I don't know of a whole lot going on here. I don't know of any churches that need a pastor right now. But he did do some homework for me. Over a year later, about a year and two months later, That man started a church. When he started a church and I heard about it, zing, I knew I'm supposed to be a part of that church. So I called him up and I said, Sir, did the Lord say anything to you about me? He said, Yes, He did. He told me that you were going to come and be my children's pastor. He said, I couldn't call you and ask you because I met you through your uncle and out of a concern for ethics, I couldn't contact you but I had to rely on the Holy Spirit to put it into your heart. If you contact me, it's a different matter. And so I contacted him. I came to Tulsa. I worked with him. still wasn't the pastor. I pastored another church after I left that man's ministry. I was a pastor there for 15 months, and then the Lord told me to resign it and told me to go out on the road and travel full-time. So in my mind, I had fulfilled, you're going to pastor a church. Tulsa, Oklahoma. But many years passed, and I knew there was another change coming in my ministry. I didn't know what it was. Something was missing. All I knew to do was pray. So I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. I prayed for about four months, and I couldn't get a breakthrough. I got little bits and pieces here and there, but I finally came to the realization My mind is limiting what God wants me to do. My mind is blocking what the Spirit is trying to say to me. I know that. Some bias that I have in my mind is keeping me from hearing God's voice on this one. And so I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, Father, I remove that block in my mind, whatever it is. I pray now you would speak to me again. And I didn't hear words, but as I continued to pray, I saw myself pastoring a church. (laughs) And I started the church not long after that. You see, I felt like because I had pastored before and because God had told me to resign that church, that would be the end of my pastoring. But you see, the Holy Spirit stirred something up in me that my mind could not receive and would not receive. Thank God he was there to pray according to the will of God through me to get me to see that God had a plan for me to be a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So the reason that we speak with tongues is to be edified, to be built up. But sometimes we are praying for things that our minds would not receive. And God is using us to ask for things that we haven't even thought about yet. That's how we pray in the Holy Spirit. And that's why this river of edification, the river Pishon, to grow up fat, to be built up, to be recharged. That's why it's so important. We'll pick up here tomorrow.